Hello, everybody. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good, <laughs> good to be, guys. Sorry, I, was, I thought Ken was going to start his intro. The dad joke. Yeah, and I was. I yeah. was doing. If, uh, I'll, I'll show you the Ken, the Ken, the Badger dance later when we get into the intro. Apparently, I wiggle when I talk. He does well only when he's trying to be cool. <laughs> I'm going to do it every time. Um. So good morning. Good morning. So, you know, did I ever tell you about that girl I dated that worked in a brewery? Yes. D- did I? Don't mess with this <laughs> up, man. I did. Here, let's start. I didn't hear about it. I didn't hear All about right. it. So you so tell me. I want to hear, hear about it again. Well, it, it was about the one-legged girl that I used to date that worked in a brewery. <laughs> oh, t- oh, yeah? She was in charge of the hops. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and now we just lost all one-legged cyclists oh, who listen to our podcast. God. Was that, that too much? No, it was fine. And everyone okay. should know that sigh from Ken wasn't him being disappointed with himself. That was him being satisfied after taking a drink of his seltzer water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. What yeah. do you call a uh, one-legged woman? Very off-color joke. What? Peg. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole bunch of these that we knew in elementary school. Yeah. Or uh, Eileen, you know. Eileen, yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Eileen, that's good. What do they work? What do they uh, usually work? I don't know. IHOP. Why, why, do you guys, why do you guys have these so readily available? God, Jane, you're such a nerd. All right, cool. Well, anyway, welcome to season two of the Never Going Pro podcast by Dads Inside Riding Trainers, featuring GC Coaching. It's a podcast about riding bikes and parenthood and trying really, really hard at both. I am your host, Ken the Badger Nowell, and with me is Shane Gaffney, owner of GC Coaching. Hello, everyone. And Chris Gorney, fellow dirt teammate, passionate cyclist, and outstanding dad. How's everybody doing? We are all good. So this is season two, and just a... Before we dig in here, we were going to interview Tyler Pierce, the vegan cyclist, was going to be our guest interview. But the interview went so well, I just let it carry on. So we're going to release that one independently. And today we're just going to be talking about building a strong base. But we're going to catch up for a few minutes first. So what's everybody up to? Mm, man, I just had that sinking feeling you're going to ask me because I'm still waking up this morning on the West Coast. Uh, <laughs> man, I I don't have anything exciting. It's just work, work week. It's a busy season. Um, been either being a husband and father on the bike or working, and those have been my three options. <laughs> so um, I, I think I might have had a nice glass of wine this weekend is that's probably about mm. as exciting as i it's exciting yeah that's that's the stage of life i'm in that's what's yeah. exciting you know california wine uh probably i mean because i'm that guy yeah 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 it's good just so you know like we started using video uh conferencing for recording these and gorney wears clear rimmed glasses <laughs> that aren't even a prescription yeah they're not prescription and he wears them in his garage in his shed. He doesn't oh my have goodness. anyone to impress except me and Shane. Look, guys, first off, I want to impress you. Secondly, I can't believe that of all the things you can see right now on the screen, you're choosing to mock my glasses, which are prescription. I mean, you've got like a nativity set. There's a nativity set back there. There's a miter saw that I've never opened. Um, 
there's climbing shoes I haven't used in five years. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you could you could mock back there. Well, your daughter has a giraffe shaped mm-hmm. training bike. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So what's the orange rope? Uh, okay. Well, that's climbing webbing that I used to use for slacklining. So that you can mock. You can figure. Cool. Well, yeah, it's I was in college and after college. Cool. Do you know how to do a slackline? I know how to. I know how to slackline. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that's cool. I knew how to not fall. I used to do a lot of bouldering back in the day. That was fun. Yeah. If you know what bouldering is. Yeah. yeah kind of like top roping. Kind of like, not only slack line, but kind of top rope, just climbing in general. Were you, when you were bouldering, were you hardcore enough to need a pad or did you never go that high? I never went that high. I wasn't that good at it. I just like to do it. Well, yeah. if you're not good at it, that's also a reason to have a pad. I guess that's true. But I never had a pad. I never went that high. I was a winner. I, I would like to say for the record, these are prescription glasses. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, you get a pass then. So, um, do you guys you want guys, me to? Do you guys want me to go change glasses? No, just leave them okay. on, man. Okay. Just leave them on. You're going to screw something up if you don't have your glasses <laughs> on. You're going to screw them up anyway. Um. So you guys wanted to hear about the uh, meal of the week. Mm. Yep. It was hash browns. You can buy the same style hash browns you get at McDonald's. Ooh. In the freezer section, well, at Trader Joe's, but I'm sure you can get them anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so the meal of the week was hash browns with American cheese, ketchup, and Himalayan sea salts. <laughs> <laughs> My- you're, just, you're, just like a, you're just like a trash bandit. You're just a raccoon who just eats. <laughs> My favorite part is you added more salt to it, but you made sure it was Himalayan sea salts. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, you got to get your micronutrients in too. Yeah. It's not all about macro, Shane. What was, yeah. what was the total sodium for that meal? Oh, it must God. have been like... Who knows? <laughs> Man. A lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I laughed so hard. as hilarious as salt. Enough to give a healthy 155-pound cyclist high blood pressure. Well, <laughs> I'd imagine there's other reasons for your high blood pressure. Uh, like uh, what? Well... I well, I did start a new job, so you know I'm actually I'm sneaking in this podcast at work. So don't tell anybody. Um, hope nobody finds out. But they've got these like booths where you can um, take private phone calls. They have like soundproofing on the walls. It's actually a really place, a uh, nice place um, to to record. So hopefully it just works out on my lunch break, kind of like it is this week. You know, get fired for doing it. Hopefully too. Yeah. Well, you'll find out soon enough. We'll know next week. <laughs> cool. So Shane, you have a lot to talk about with base building. And I've seen some of the charts and stuff that you were posting here. Um, what do you got? Hit us up. Tell so, us why we should do it. Let's do it. So we're going to talk about base training. So I guess um, let's talk about the who, what, and when, why part first. So... We base train, I guess, why do we base train? We base train because we're trying to ideally increase your aerobic capacity. And that's just a fancy way to say how, what's your ability for your heart and lungs to deliver oxygen to your muscles is. We also do it because we're trying to improve your body's ability to use fat as opposed to carbohydrate because you have a essentially a limitless supply of fat, but you have a very finite supply of carbohydrate. Whoa. Whoa. Um, you don't know me. <laughs> I don't have. I do know you. I'm not. I don't have a limitless supply of fat. 
Well, most of us do. I do. 140 pounds. And then we're also trying to increase the percentage of VO2 max, which you burn primarily fat. So we can get into this a little bit later, but VO2 max is your aerobic ceiling, essentially. And then your FTP or your functional threshold power is usually somewhere between 80, sorry, between 70 to 85 percent of that. For a very untrained individual, it can be as low as 50% of where the fat carbohydrates uh, switchover occurs. And for very highly trained athletes, it can be up to 90% of VO2 max where the switchover mm. occurs. Okay. So that's a big part of training too. We want to try to increase that turnover switch, not a switch, it's more like of a, a fader of where you start to burn primarily carbohydrate to fat. Because if you can burn fat for longer, you're going to ideally conserve the glycogen stores to use later when you need the most. Okay, so let's start somewhere because, I mean, I'm a giant geek and I enjoy everything you're saying. But we, I think we need to lay down some like what-if situations. So for just the dude listening to this or the person listening to this, I'm, I'm, I've never been on a bike or I've been on a bike or on a trainer for a month. Why do I care about any of this? Where, wh- how do I like, what does this matter for me? Cause this makes sense if we're like, you know, really achievery people who probably need more social life like us three. And then we're on our bikes all the time and we're geeking out over stats. But what if I'm like, I don't know, you see, you see on the dirt group all the time, people posting, Hey, I just got a trainer. I just got a bike and I'm starting my first Swift, you know, and they're looking for some sort of <laughs> response from the world. And people are always really cool saying, hey, welcome. But like, how do they enter into this? How do, how, where do they start? So I guess you don't really need to worry too much about the flavor of base training use pick, which we'll talk about later, which is sweet spot versus polarized. Sure. Because the newer you are, you can literally do anything and you can get a performance mm. and you can get a fitness improvement from doing literally anything. Because you you're starting, you're starting off the couch. Right. So those kind of like noob gains, people will sometimes call them. Um, So it doesn't really matter. You can literally just ride your bike for an extra hour. You can get probably 50% more FTP, which is obviously ridiculous, but just as an example. Um, And it's obviously January too. So January, February is when you tend to get people that are really gung-ho and motivated to start doing something new. But then by the time March rolls around, you're probably not going to get as many of those people, just like at a gym. I would like right. to say that living in Southern California, it is not obviously January. It's really hard. To, it's pretty much impossible to tell what month it is here. Well, you, yeah, look, you, you look for Christmas lights. So You guys are doing yoga outdoors on what, Friday, Thursday? It, it work nonetheless. <laughs> I would like to. Yeah. So for the listeners, you should know that I work at a very hip uh, Southern California firm. And I periodically send photos to these guys of things that they can make fun of and the part of that story I didn't tell you, which is the best part is, so all these people in my work are all outside doing yoga, um, on the patio, right. With the trees and things we've planted in our pretty much loading dock. Um, and so they're being super healthy and most of these people are vegan, which is, it's true. Actually, most of them are vegan who are out there and right behind them sitting at the back door of a restaurant next to us is this guy just vaping, like just smoking <laughs> and vaping. <laughs> And then I asked them when they came in, I was like, so how did that go? And they said, well, some guy was vaping and it smelled like meat out there. So meat? like meat. So there's this group meat flavored vapes. Yeah. So they were yeah. vaping. Yeah. Well, I imagine the meat was probably from the restaurant, but like they, uh, there's a bunch of vegans doing yoga to the smell of meat and vaping. 
And so anyway, I thought it was pretty amusing. That's and, pretty but, amusing. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. That's funny. So back to base training. Yeah. So for the super noob, I don't think this conversation is that important because you're going to get great gains no matter what you do. Um, I also like to use base training for improving an athlete's pedal stroke. And I know that's kind of a can of worms and I've gotten a lot of flack for that, for the build me up plan as having pedaling drills in it. So let me kind of clear that up. I use pedaling drills, especially one leg drills, because I'm trying to make the opposing leg come up more effectively. So to get it out of the way of the leg that's pushing down. That's why I use one-legged drills so much. And that's why the building up plan has one-legged drills. I'm not trying to get a more circular pedal stroke or those other kind of buzzwords because that's not really possible. You're going to still deliver the majority of your force during the downstroke. But if you can imagine as one leg is pushing down, the other leg is coming up. Mm. So if you can get the other leg that's coming up out of the way more efficiently, then the downstroke portion is going to be more effective. So that's why I use one-legged drills, and that's why the Bidland plan has one-legged drills in it. I, I want you to back up to the when one leg goes down, the other comes up. I'm just that's that I'm still stuck on that. <laughs> I think can I elaborate here? <laughs> I think I know what I think I know what Shane is trying to say. In other words, like you're saying get one leg out of the way you are pushing you are providing opposite force using your other leg so in other words you're doing some negative watts on the the returning leg exactly causing so in other words like if you can learn to pull up just a little instead of allowing your leg to rest on the back end of the stroke where it's actually putting down force on the pedal. That is the purpose of that drill. Exactly. And it could be 5% for some people, 10% for others, who knows, but it is, right. it's not negligible. Right. And a lot of people that have that are either they're new athletes or they're new to clipless pedals, they will a lot of times just rest that leg on the pedal. They won't actually pull up with it. Mm. So that's why doing those drills, I think for most athletes is a good idea, but not because I'm trying to get a circular pedal stroke, even though that might be what the drill says, because that ideally triggers your brain to pull your leg up. I'm trying to get that other leg out of the way so you don't get that negative wattage of the other leg pushing down. Now you program that uh, pedaling drills with some of your athletes as sort of a recovery day as well. Right. <clears throat> exactly. Because that's it's a good way to get you on the bike to keep that consistency alive, which is what we'll talk about for base training too. Because um, consistency is very important for anything. So if you can maintain the same three, four, five days a week, that's great because it's going to maintain the habit. But it's also a good way just to get your legs to spin and not just spin at zone one for a half hour if it's an active recovery day. So you've thrown, you've thrown a bunch of stuff. We've kind of jumped around already. Kind of, we jumped in talking about base training talked about the, uh, kind of the effects of as soon as you start base training and we're talking about form drills essentially. Um, but like where, how do I enter into this? Like if I'm just, if I'm starting, maybe, maybe I'm a seasoned cyclist, but I'm starting my train, like the, for the first time I'm doing a, a, a training plan, which I think a lot of people, the last couple of years are the first time they've, they're entering into an intentional winter training plan. Um, because there's so many cool, great platforms out there like Trainer Road or Swift or these other things. 
Um, what's talk to us about like the percentage, like, cause there's so if people don't know, there's different types of trading, there's, there's build and there's base and there's different types of peaking and there's specialization. Like if I, if I want to start into the base phase of training, like what could that look like? Like what, what's the percentages? What, what's like an example of some, a week that I would do if I was starting a base plan? It depends on the kind of flavor that you'll pick. And then, like I said, that's going to be either, usually it's going to be either sweet spot or it's going to be a polarized approach. Um, so what are those? Let's start with sweet spot. Yeah. Let's get into it then. Yeah, that's a good way. So sweet spot training is typically 85 to 95% FTP. I like to simplify it and call it 90%. So thinking high zone three, low zone four, and it's like a seven out of 10 ish RPE. Um, it's called sweet spot because RPE you're talking relative perceived effort. Exactly. Got it. So how much you want to die is the, is the translation. Yeah. 10 out of 10 is like you're going to the hospital or you're going to black out. And one is like you were, I don't know, sleeping. Hey, hold on real quick. Have you guys ever blacked out on your trainer? No. Have you been close? No. I've started to have my vision go black Okay, on a a road ride. Like where I started getting tunnel vision. But go ahead, go ahead, Shane. Yeah, keep going. I have it now. Um, all right, so it's called sweet spot because it's really like smack dab in the middle of where you get the best bang for your buck in terms of hours spent on the trainer and ideal physiological adaptations and fitness improvements. So the key with sweet spot is you can spend a lot of time working in that 85 to 95% range, but you don't get a lot of fatigue built up, which leads to greater repeatability of the stimulus and ideally increased training density over the course of the training block and the base block, AKA progressive overload. Right, and just to point out, like if you've never done sweet spot work, it's not easy. It's still hard, you know, it's tough stuff, but it's not, a total smackdown every time but it has a nice name so you think it's not going to be as bad yeah i was surprised it sucked more than i thought it would yeah it sucks a lot here's what i've discovered here's what i've discovered it all sucks it all sucks sweet spot sucks threshold sucks vo2 sucks anaerobic sucks it all sucks but it just you know some days it sucks a little less yep yeah so the question is then why do we do it this is the philosophy bit of the podcast Badger eats science and now the philosophical part. Yeah. I'll tell you why I do it. I believe that riding a bike faster is more fun and that I am willing to do some suffering um, in order to ride my bike, not just faster, but for longer as well. You know, so like when I do go get an opportunity to go on a trip to the hills, um, my body's ready, you know, and I'm not suffering then. I can truly enjoy, uh, be present on a bike um, in in a broader variety of circumstances. Yeah. I mean, I, um, it's taking everything within me not to mock you about saying when you go to the hills (laughs) where you live, (laughs) I could go out to the hauler to check your distillery, to check your, your still. Um, but no, I, I totally agree. I, uh, I mean, I like getting out on the road, you know, it's, here's what, here's what I think of every single time. And this is serious. Every single time I'm on the ride or on my bike here in my garage and it just, I want to die. 
I think like the, the moments where I feel like I want to die, whether it's sweet spot or threshold or VO2 or something, or it's a race, I realize those are the moments I'm going to get faster. Um, cause mm. the longer I endure through that pain, um, the stronger I'm going to be when I'm out on the road. And so I ride because I like being able to get out on the road and be competitive and have fun and go fast. Um, and I've got this kit that I bought from a twin six and it on it, it's uh, it says something like, uh, ride fast, die last, or suffer fast, ride, suffer fast, die last on the kit. And I love it. Like I've actually thought about getting that as a tattoo because <laughs> it, I love that idea of like you pedal and be the last one to quit. So that's mm-hmm. why I, that's why I endure it. Um, and we're probably all a little stupid as far as, you know, lo- loving this hobby, but you kind of just get addicted to it. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Yep. Yeah. Better, than, better than drugs. I do it so I don't punch people. Mm. Well, and you're a cyclist. So if you did punch people, it wouldn't, you know, pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. actually not kidding. I'm a pretty, uh, I don't know, baseline angry person for some reason. I don't know okay. why. Okay. So I you think look, I do look it. angry. I do. I was like, I am always <laughs> angry. I don't know why. So I, I do it because I think I need that, uh, that. I literally need that outlet and that like release of steam and pressure. So I don't like go ballistic on somebody. Yeah. And so there's a, like, and you know, I'm prone to be a little bit high strung as well. And so in the moments after a bike ride, like all is right with the world for a while, for a little while. And, and like, a half, like a half an hour. Yeah, exactly. And then my son, my son spills seltzer or hits his sister. Yeah. And it's, and it's back on the bike because dad's <laughs> angry. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> all right. So progressive overload. Progressive overload. I'm not done with sweet yet. Okay. So progressive overload. That's a really, really, really important thing to take home today is with you're using a sweet spot based approach to your base phase, you have to engage progressive overload. And that means that I like to use a TSS or a training stress score based system. So if your body is accustomed to 150, just an example, let's say 200 TSS per week of sweet spot, and you do that again, you're probably not going to get a lot of uh, adaptations and fitness improvement. So the next week, it might be 250 TSS or 280 TSS. And then the other thing, too, is you have to also progressively overload the time. So if you stop at 2 by 20, you're probably going to plateau at 40 minutes sweet spot. But if your time to exhaustion is 48 minutes, then you're probably not going to see a great improvement in FTP if you're not actually pushing your time to exhaustion at sweet spot. Because you have to you have to put in an effort to get your body to the point where it's going to make gains. Yes. I mean, I have athletes that do three by 30s, two by 45s. I have guys do a ton of really long sweet spot stuff. Again, that's not appropriate for everybody. But if you're a cat two, cat one, you have to put in a lot of time at this zone to make it actually beneficial and worthwhile if you don't have the time to do zone two for 15, 20 hours a week. Right. And so if you're on Zwift and you just want to get started, they have three off the shelf sweet spot rides. If you look at the under 60 minutes to kill, they have a 50 minute sweet spot ride. Then they have a 90 minute one. And one is like two and a half hours. And I don't know if either of you have ever done that one, but it's really, really tough. I've done it. I have never spent two and a half hours on Zwift ever. 
I have. I spent nine hours. Yeah, but but you but but you also like you also like pooped you pooped yourself three times. You had to change clothes. Like, no, I didn't poop myself. Did it 200, 200 miles on Watopia Flat. Nine hours and change. That's nuts. Did you do it with anybody? No. People would join me. Like I were I were with uh, some friends and like the team uh, CIS crew, CIS crew, excuse me. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's kind of me just solo, just going back and forth, kind of laps down in my head. Wow, that's crazy. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like everyone to remember that Shane did 200 miles of sweet spot training. That's what he's really trying to say. No way. I think it was zone. <laughs> I think it was zone one for 85 percent, and maybe zone two for 15 percent. That right. I'm gonna choose to. I'm gonna choose to remember that differently. <laughs> so is that good on sweet spot? We want to move on to polarized. Well, let me quickly go sweet spot versus zone two very quickly. Yeah. So zone zone two is the quote traditional way to base train and that's where you see a lot of professional do is zone two riding so they'll do zone two for again progressively overload at zone two but their overload is 15 20 25 30 hours per week at zone mm-hmm. two intensities so you're getting roughly 42 tss per hour at zone two it's at, if it's at a 0.65 intensity factor and you're getting about 70 TSS per hour if you're doing a 2 by 20 interval with a 0.9 interval as the sweet spot. So you're getting about 30 more TSS per hour doing sweet spot than at zone 2 comparatively. And you're able to ideally get about 40% more aerobic training stress relative to zone 2. So you should see similar adaptations to your aerobic engine, but in approximately 40% less time needed. Okay. So more, more bang for your buck, more bang for your buck. Exactly. That's what it's all about. Particularly if you're doing a reverse periodization training approach, particularly that. Yeah. We do again, aerobic, uh, aerobic intensity first. So again, that's why I think training road has it like sweet spot is appropriate for what do they say? 99% of athletes that use the, is that true? Yeah. Something like that. And I also agree with that. I think it's appropriate for 99% of the people I work with. I have one athlete that does this traditional zone two approach, but that's because he has no friends. That's his job. His job is to ride his bike. Okay. Otherwise everybody's doing sweet spot work. Okay. That's great. So if you, if you have, if you're not a professional cyclist and have 30 hours a week, you should be doing sweet spot training. No, no zone two. No, is that zone two? Okay. You should be doing sweet spot work if you don't have, that's what I'm saying. If you don't, if you don't have it, you should be doing sweet spot. And again, that's totally anecdotally me saying 20 hours a week. It could be 15 hours. I don't know. But you have to have a lot of time to get benefit from progressively overloading at zone two sure. um, than you do for sweet spot if you're trying to increase aerobic capacity. Yeah. So how this feels to me when I do this work is it's like the point where you start to feel the burn. You're just you're getting more and more experience and more and more time at that point where you start to feel the burn, you're never, you're never going to be redlining it in sweet spot training, but that point where you're like, Oh man, this is getting hard. You just, you find that zone and then you sit there for progressively longer amounts of time. And it, it never really becomes easier, but I think you just get used to it and your endurance gets bigger. So that's really what, you know, that's another way of talking about progressive overload is it never gets easier, but you just hate it less. (laughs) I always hate it. (laughs) 
But that's a good point because you know you have to make sure that your FTP is accurate, which we've talked about so many times in this podcast already. Because um, if your FTP is overestimated by 20 watts for a ramp test per se, then your sweet spot may be at 102, 103% FTP. So if you were unable to really maintain sweet spot for 20 minutes without too much you know, burn, then you may have your FTP set too high. Mm, okay. Yeah. If you start failing a bunch of it. Yeah. Because yeah. 20 minutes sweet spot shouldn't, I mean, it, it should take concentration, but it shouldn't be like, oh my God, thank God that's over. Yeah. That's right. called, that's called threshold work. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people are very hopeful about their sweet spot. You know, like, man, back when I was 21 years old, I had a 300 FTP and now that I'm 44, I'm going to use those numbers over again. Yep. Vanity FTP. We coined that first here. Yeah, we did. You did. That's yours, <laughs> bud. FTP? Vanity FTP. E- VFTP? <laughs> VFTP. Lowercase V, capital FTP. Yeah, yeah there it is. So what the hell is polarized training? I've been waiting 33 minutes to find out. <laughs> so polarized <laughs> training is... I, I would think it was popularized by Dr. Steven Seiler, <clears throat> who, believe it or not, is a dirt from, member. From Aerosmith? From Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks like a 60-year-old woman now. So Steven Tyler. Steven Seiler. No, okay. okay. Um, so Steven Seiler is one of my favorite new, not really new, but my favorite researchers. I like to follow his work. I think he has really good work. Hey, Ken, what, what are some of your favorite researchers? Shane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he uh, was from Texas. Camera, which which uh, city in Texas he's from? Moved to Norway, and he was on a run one day with a professional cross country skier, or maybe a biathlete, but skier nonetheless. And at a hill, she basically slowed to a walk going up the hill instead of accelerating and trying to go over the hill faster. And he thought that was very interesting. Like, why did she slow down? What's the purpose of this here? So she was on an endurance run, which means that she wanted to keep herself in zone one in that three phase model. So if she accelerated over the hill, she might go into zone two or zone three and basically defeat the purpose of the actual training. So as a good scientist, he went back and he's like, why did, how do these guys train? Cause that year they also won like every medal possible in cross country skiing, biathlon, all that stuff. So like, what are these guys doing differently? Why are they so good? So he found that well, they have snow year round. That's a good start. <laughs> so he thought he, he saw that they did 80% of their training in zone one which is about 50 to 65% of VO2 max and 20% of their training in zone three, which is 85 to 100% VO2 max. And this is where 80-20, you probably have heard that in the nomenclature, this is where 80-20 came from, was from this study, which I'll link to the show notes. So Steven Seidler, 80-20. So again, 80% of the training was at really low intensity, 20% 20% of their training was a very high intensity, AKA polarized training. Cool. 
That's actually really interesting. And just so you know, if you if you look this guy up on YouTube, maybe you can put this in the show notes. He's got a TED talk about this. So it's a really, you know, he's a fascinating guy, researcher, um, and he packages it up in a very short, entertaining talk. Definitely. Yeah, but but only 20 percent of it's interesting. The other 80 percent of it is not. <laughs> that was a horrible joke. But yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Ken, yeah. Ken's, Ken's laughing so hard right now he can't breathe. <laughs> more like rolling my eyes. <laughs> but let me let me unpack that a little more, if you guys don't mind. No, I would, I, hey hey Shane, can you unpack that just a little more for us? I'm gonna unpack it real good right now. So some quotes from the study: Successful endurance athletes achieve excellent results when accumulating a high training volume by emphasizing frequent exposure. 60 to 180 minute bouts performed at 60 to 75 percent of vo2 max so frequent exposure to one to three hour rides at 60 to 75 percent vo2 max that is a lot of riding. That's a lot of riding yeah so issue number one with polarized training is it takes usually oh, a lot of volume to do it yeah got it and modest proportion of training performance intensities between 85 and 100 percent of vo2 max issue two if you don't know what your vo2 max is it's going to be hard to actually extrapolate not extrapolate but it's going to be hard to approximate what 90 to 100 percent vo2 max is got it so i want to bring up something i, I heard um there's this guy he's a like a kettlebell guy pavel satsuin I believe is his name. And he was on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about um, one of the reasons for uh, training it, you know, below 90% of your max heart rate was that it stretches the heart and increases the heart's volume. And once you go over 90%, your heart almost like flutters a little bit and it doesn't get that stretching effect. Have you ever heard of any of this or is it, you know, some bro science? I have not. Um, I don't know if it's bro science, but I don't know. Okay. Got it. I was just curious. Did he reference any studies or anything in the, in the show? <sighs> Not that I recall. I mean, if it's, if there's no studies, then it's usually bro science. Yeah. That's why I, I try to say stuff and then put it in show notes to back up what I'm trying to say. Um, because here at the never going pro podcast, we love a good citation page. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> love it. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, so polarized training takes a lot of volume. It takes a lot of volume at low intensity and even a lot of volume at high intensity to become really decent at. So I do a combo of the two approaches. Um, during the base phase, my go-to is always sweet spot because, again, my athletes have 6 to 12, 15 hours a week to train. So they can't get out there for four or five rides a week at three hours long. So I like sweet spot a lot during the base training and I've had great success with it. I, as long as you stick to progressive overload, that's the again, most important part. And you're continually increasing the time spent at sweet spot. Then once, depending on what the athlete is, like if it's a criterium athlete or a cyclocross athlete or um, a very like punchy road race, then I'll switch to a polarized approach where they'll do specific intervals, either the length of the climb or 30-30s, 40-20s, Tabatas, et cetera. If it's like a more of a criterium cyclocross type event 
where you're kind of getting that anaerobic capacity to lift up and then trying to maintain their aerobic base. But again, that's really only eight weeks out of the year I might do that. Well, and something that you're touching on, which we keep coming back to and is going to be a bell we ring, you know, for as long as people are dumb enough to listen to us is that don't, you can just get on a bike and ride and enjoy it. That's fine. Like as long as you're enjoying it, you're doing it right. However, if you want to get better in the smartest way possible with a decent use of your time, which I think is dads, you know, right. I mean, if one of us is out doing five, three hour rides a day, I think you could probably, I'm not saying everybody, but you could probably say, Hey man, like that's a lot of time a week. What else could you be doing? Or if you do have that much time, you need to write a book and tell us all how to find that much time. But if you want to get better, efficiently, then you need to put thought towards your plan and you need to set goals throughout the year. And that way you can actually apply some of these things. Shane is teaching us about base training and periodization, and then actually like event specific training, um, to your schedule and you'll see better gains, which is really just saying is like, if, if you want to get better, you need to sit down for 10 minutes and think about what you want and then apply training practices to that looking over a calendar year. I think that's a, that's some good advice. Um, you know, especially considering who's likely listening to us right now. All six of them. Yes. Well, Shane, again, thanks for all your research. And, um, this has been really informative. Again, I have the hardest time sticking with any kind of plan, but usually I can make myself do one or two specific training rides a week and then just ride the rest of the time. And yeah, it's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah, man. Like I said, as long as you're overloading and you're going above what your body is used to doing, you should still see gains. So I think that's totally fine. So show up, show up and work hard. Show up, work hard, check the show notes. And thank you again for everybody for joining us. Anything else we want to add before we close this down? Uh, I don't know if I told you guys, but a little humble brag or something like that. I got into the dirty Kanza. Nice. Yeah. You doing the two, the 200 or the 100? Well, it's actually funny. I wanted to do the 200 and then I was thinking, uh, you know, about my race and, um, I'm going to fly back to Kansas where I'm from actually to do this with a bunch of friends. So like 10 of us signed up. I was the only dad gum person who got in one of nine or one of 10. So like the guy who lives in Southern California got into the race and the nine guys who live in Kansas did not get to the race and they changed and they changed their transfer policy this year. So it's like you're in, you're in, you can't transfer, you can't do anything. It's it. It's locked. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Dang. Anyway, I'm doing the hundred and, uh, I guess I'm doing it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> we got some we got some guys that are going to be out there. Grand Partine, yeah. he's going to be doing it, most likely the 100 and probably some other guys from Dirt. We'll get it all hooked up. Yeah. Well, cool, man. That's very exciting. I think we might be doing something in Asheville, 100 miler there, Big Grand Fondo in the end of July or mid-July. So I'm trying to work out the details of that. Um, but yeah, you know, exciting times. We're starting to make our summer plans. Yep. Yep. I think mine would be... Just like people always tell me to give like a two minute kind of wrap up of all my baloney. So sweet spot, it's all about progressive overload and maximizing time and training density at 85, 95% FTP, which I again, simplify it to 90% FTP, making sure you're doing a little bit more every week 
And for polarized training, you have to go very easy on the easy days and very hard on the hard days. Got it. So you can't be like at FTP or threshold on an easy day because you're going to then not be able to dig as deep on the hard days, which is really where the training approach happens. So you have to be very, 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 very fresh on the hard days to dig as deep as you possibly can. That's a, there's a podcast right there. Another episode. Well, thank you guys for joining us. And to our audience, we will see you in Watopia. Ride on. Peace.